that rents will grow on average by another $120 per week between now and 2028. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate. Well, today's show, really, we're going to take a look into the rental outlook, particularly for apartments, which seemingly looks absolutely incredible. Demand, supply, the vacancy rate, rents, it's all connected. And today, I want to really give some insights, some economic insights into what next for the apartment market. Really, today, courtesy of uh, some information via CBRE, uh, intelligent investing is all about data. So let's tackle what next when it comes to that space. I tell you what, uh, I don't know about you, but my dog just gave me a shower. Yes, I have been uh, basically licked to death when it comes to hanging out with my dog, Raffi. He's taken on uh, licking my toes, licking my calf muscles, licking my kneecaps. Wow, what a special morning I have had. Most people go for a local Thai massage, not I. I have been uh, basically uh, cleaned by my own household dog. So that's what I've been doing today. I don't know about you, but uh, I think talking about the apartment vacancy and rental outlook is a little bit more exciting than Rafi licking my toes. Hey, uh, if it's your first time tuning into the program, welcome to the program. Play the show in double speed, get your life back. And of course, all the episodes I've done are lessons on real estate. But I tell you what, uh, one thing which is certainly appearing in 2024 is rental growth. And I was saying this the other day, I've had the double cycle rental growth, uh, a year ago, I put up some rents and uh, on a property quite sizably, and uh, my property managers contacted me to put up the rents again. And so uh, it is really an amazing marketplace to ultimately accelerate your cash flow right now. Uh, quite often, the real estate market will go through periods of capital growth and then periods of rental growth. And really, we are in that period, that is for sure. Certainly, obviously, it's well reported that no one really knows what to do. Should they put uh, rental freezers in plan? Well, that's going to cause problems because there'll be less landlords uh, should they put rental caps when it comes to gearing rental increases, connecting it to inflation? It's all sorts of, you know, I guess, conversations around what the hell do you do about this runaway rental growth situation off the back of the challenges when it comes to finding accommodation? 
And it's fair to say, really, we've got to this point because of a few decision-making effects. It really is the butterfly effect of a lot of policy. We've had uh, the idea of APRA intervening on what people can borrow, pushing landlords out of the market. We've had extra regulation in the real estate industry, pushing landlords out of the market. We've had a recent, obviously, bit of a boom in the market all the way back through COVID. A lot of landlords chose to cash in the chips. And so rental properties are being passed on to the owner-occupier market and ultimately not being added back into the system. Along with that, we've had excessive migration over the last really 12 to 18 months. And really the forecast is is even more powerful when it comes to added people growing the economy and growing the nation. So really the decade ahead is the great supply shortage. Really the rental outlook, if you like, uh, is that rents will grow on average by another $120 per week between now and 2028. And so that's the median property will see a rental increase of up to $120 per week over ultimately the next four years. That's a 26% increase on what uh, effectively rents are today. That's a massive jump. You know, if we sort of said, uh, you know, your property is going to grow by 26% in capital growth, most people would be stoked. When it comes to rental growth, that's a big number. Obviously, for the average property, that's an extra $6,000 a year in rent. And of course, uh, that in itself is a great uh, situation unfolding. And of course, for a lot of people that have portfolios, they're seeing the benefit of being a portfolio investor. Really, they're seeing their world transform by virtue of income production. And uh, all of a sudden, they've got the numbers they need to even sell down some assets, pay off some debt, They've got that extra surplus cash flow coming in from their portfolio, really can transition into a different stage of property ownership, being positive cash flow or even living off the cash flow from the real estate. And uh, as you know, I'm a big believer in if you are buying real estate, we want that real estate where rents can actually also grow in value. If we're going to buy some real estate, if we're paying $600,000 for the property and it's got a $500 a week rent today, will that rent actually equate to $1,000 a week in 15 years' time? Will it grow at above average rental growth? And so for me, I love investing in those types of properties. I think they make good capital growth properties, but also ultimately allow you to accelerate your cash flow and change the trajectory of your cash flow as your portfolio matures. 
And uh, we often talk about the, you know, rule of 20 in real estate, you know, take your income and, uh, you know, that you want in your retirement, multiply it by 20. That's the amount of assets you need paid off to produce that revenue in income. So let's say you wanted $100,000 income in retirement. You times that by 20, you need $2 million worth of real estate to produce $100,000 worth of income. And that would roughly be about a 5% yield or a 5% rental return. And of course, if that 5% rental return over that time of becoming debt-free on the $2 million worth of real estate becomes uh, a 10% return, that $100,000 per annum becomes $200,000 per annum. So it's a big driver in the way you choose assets. So over the next 10 years, demand for property is expected to get a triple boost, if you like. We've got a rising population, the next 10 years, close to 4 million people, rising income from the jobs marketplace, and also the ability for people to have more industries to earn money from. And so we expect to see an extra $850 billion over the next decade added to the system, if you like. And uh, again, um, monthly rents today are effectively going to be a lot more than what they are at the current level into the next couple of years. So the more you've got the right asset, the more rental performance you're going to get. And it's fair to say the cycle is still in a boom phase when it comes to the marketplace. And of course, probably the product type, which is most stressed at the moment when it comes to a lack of good product is the apartment market. CBRE forecasts that the future supply of apartments uh, is is very, very low and uh, it's undersupplied. And so if we were to, for example, look at the Melbourne apartment market, on average, it's meant to deliver around 38,000 apartments, uh, basically per annum, uh, and it's not capable of doing that. Instead of producing 38,000 apartments per annum, it's currently producing around 10,000 apartments per annum. And of course, uh, that sounds like a big number, but when you go back to, obviously, lots of uh, jobs, rising incomes, and a big population boost that's not a lot of accommodation floating around. And so this should see a vacancy rate, for example, in the city of Melbourne of less than 1% really over the next four years. And of course, when we understand how real estate works, 
a balanced market, a vacancy rate is considered 3%. That ultimately means neither the landlord nor the tenant has the upper hand. If the vacancy rate was 4%, the tenant would have the upper hand and rents would slide downwards. The fact that the vacancy rate is going to be fairly well less than 1% in most places like your Brisbane's and your Melbourne's, you're going to have a situation where landlords carry the upper hand when it comes to what they can charge in rent. And of course, uh, really, real estate is a game of really where is the best product. So if you think about it, all landlords in Melbourne will effectively have an upper hand over the next four years. All landlords in Brisbane will have the upper hand over the next four years. And it's similar conversation in other cities. But not every property and I don't know, example, Brisbane is great. Uh, certain properties are better than others and, of course, attract a better uh, type of tenant into those properties where they're rarely vacant uh, and the occupancy is very high and the rents just get pushed further and further and faster uh, upwards. Now, by way of, I guess, comprehension, again, um, there are precincts where rents are just going to to skyrocket and the reason they're going to skyrocket is they've just got the perfect storm of product type versus tenant type versus uh, the right sort of location that people want to particularly live in apartments and uh, this is this has been again happening to me I've seen uh, some apartments that I own just the rents are absolutely going gangbusters and so peering over the horizon sometimes real estate investors you know are less confident in what is going to happen next and without question you know the big marketplaces are devoid of stock and this should see levels of rent just really continue to climb again um you know, where the absorption rate of stock is the greatest for higher rental returns. It's kind of where you would typically want to live in an apartment, those amenity-rich places, uh, even close to the city, close to the beaches, where you've got, uh, you know, a high level of interest of occupying an apartment and just a lack of good product. So a very tightly held sub 1% marketplace is expected in most uh, combined capital cities. And really, it's not until 2028 and beyond <clears throat> where things may actually start to guide towards that balanced market place of closer to three percent so it's pretty crazy like immigration is likely to contribute to two-thirds of australia's population growth between now and uh you know 20 
34. So, you know, we're going to see another 4 million people join the population base. They've got to live somewhere. Uh, new immigrants don't bring houses with them. So, again, um, there is just going to be a smorgasbord of opportunity for landlords. And, uh, you know, it is purported, uh, again, by CBRE research, that the average annual income is going to increase from uh, $96,000 per annum today to $132,000 per annum in 2034. And so over the next 10 years, there's going to be roughly about uh, a wage growth driver of circa sort of uh, 2% and even a more bullish 4.5% for certain types of jobs. Now, year 10 maths mean median mode. Um, Obviously, the average is the mean. Um, It uh, takes into consideration all of the high income earners, what they earn, the median is the midpoint of what uh, most people earn. So the average includes, obviously, the much wealthier. And so interesting enough, if we look at the average, though, uh, the proportion of, I guess, better off people are actually going to earn faster money and more money. And there is a lot of discretionary tenants in the market that want lifestyle properties. And of course, the right apartment can provide a lifestyle property. The idea of owning an apartment as an asset class is generally to tap into those better lifestyle inner suburbs, uh, the bayside suburbs, the beachside suburbs, when it comes to to real estate. And uh, again, it's it's one of the ways to make money out of the apartment marketplace. And quite often, we don't take into consideration apartments can be little cash cows. And I've always taught the concept that if you are looking for an apartment, really uh, one of the benefits of apartments is they can be absolute cash cows. Right apartment, right location, right livability, right amenity in the right area, you're going to get a bucket load of rent. Time poor executives, people with a large disposable income will rent them. Not to be confused with apartments that are basically a roof over people's head. And again, uh, you know, typically you would go, you know, to the suburban edge to find apartments over, you know, roofs over people's heads, um, as opposed to, you know, these lifestyle drivers, which are, I think will do very, very well when it comes to zeroing in on the demand of uh, the, uh, the driver behind the concept of rental growth. Now, obviously, when it comes to new apartment creation, the idea of not 
all apartments are designed to go to the rental market. And so if we go back to the Melbourne example, 38,000 apartments should be produced per annum in the Melbourne market. There's obviously 5 million plus people living in that city. It's growing every single day from natural uh, births. It's growing from a huge population intake and it needs to produce 38,000 apartments for the market to have a 3% vacancy rate, a balanced marketplace. It's producing 10,000 But what is interesting when we examine the amount of product that is being produced in the Melbourne market sub $750,000, it's around 11% of product. So you've got 10,000 apartments being produced, but only 11% of it is less than $750,000. Why is that number interesting? Well, of course... Uh, most investors would probably spend less than $750,000 on an investment property. Uh, and so if we were to look at the Melbourne example, and it's it's no different in Brisbane, it's less different in Sydney and, and um, you know, all these marketplaces where the production of product is not, not happening. So... For $750,000 or less, you know, you've got about 1,100 apartments being produced in a city that is absolutely massive. I mean, Melbourne is one of the biggest land masses in the world. Uh, It's going to be a mega city by mid-century. It'll be a 10 million person city and you're producing 1,100 apartments for the rental market. What's happening to the other 89% of apartments? Well, they are above $750,000. Some will no doubt go to wealthier landlords. Um, But for the most part, a lot of that product now is being re-engineered to be larger three-bedroom product and even four-bedroom product to appeal to one of the demographic shifts which is unfolding at the moment, which is the structural change of uh, older Australians, baby boomers, if you like, looking to live in their uh, luxury lock-up three-bedroom apartments in gun neighbourhoods. And so you can start to fathom that that is bonkers, right? That there is such an apartment low in our cities that the conversation around rents increasing on the rental product is absolutely going to unfold. And of course, build to rent is a product type which is being engineered because for the most part you can't produce affordable apartment stock for mum and dad investors to buy. The cost to buy the best land in Australia which is typically where you would want to buy an apartment the inner city attractive suburbs, the culturally cool, attractive neighborhoods, those places that everyone wants to be seen, 
those beautiful bayside and beachside locations, it's the land is expensive. And even if you were to apply, uh, you know, a, a mediocre building on top of that land, the cost is going to add up. And so even if we examine, for example, those 1,100 apartments coming to the Melbourne marketplace that are sub $750,000, probably about 20% of them are worth investing in. The others probably wouldn't even, uh, you know, make sense as a property investment. It would be the wrong product, wrong area, all those type of things. So you can imagine like if... uh, there's such a shortage of supply and only 11% of product can be produced below 750, then uh, of course the build to rent movement is is entering that space. And that is really uh, corporations holding on to real estate with covenants on the real estate for 20, 30, 40, 50 years that the real estate cannot be sold. It has to be rented. And, uh, we're starting to see a little bit of that product type being created in the apartment space. But really, uh, we're at about 3% of stock at the moment, which is at a national level thrown into the build to rent movement. And by 2028, it should be around 9%. So we can see uh, even now we're starting to see the disappearance of apartments for the average person to buy them. You know, once upon a time, an apartment was almost like a stepping stone asset to a house. Today, uh, particularly with the right flight to quality, well-designed apartment, a house is a stepping stone to an apartment. And again, like there's just a lack of production of high quality, good stock in that space. And the rents are going to soar uh, as to the, uh, the, the price movement on the right product. So uh, we are going to see a real apartment, low vacancy rate, uh, it's going to to unfold and residential rental growth could quite easily be followed once again by even more capital growth because quite often in real estate, uh, there's an old saying, you know, growth follows yields. And so if we get a couple of years of stellar rental performance, there will be a relationship eventually of a yield compression capital growth performance. And uh, once again, I just think that, you know, that is, is incredible. So if we were to do some quotes here, you know, CBRE estimates Sydney apartments will deliver around 14,000 per annum. Um, The demand for stock is 33,000 per annum. This is per annum for the next five years. So you can see as every year unfolds, uh, the situation actually compounds on itself and gets worse. And uh, again, this should 
drive down the vacancy rate in a place like Sydney below 1%. If we go to Melbourne, Melbourne's 38,000 per annum uh, needed every year for the next five years will produce 10,000. So roughly about, uh, you know, we've got about 60% less product being produced. And again, a lot of that product will never see the light of day of even going anywhere near the rental market because today a uh, high-quality new construction apartment is well over a million dollars, well over a million dollars. Um, And, uh, you know, if you're finding one, putting one together in the right deal and it's it's less than that, you're doing very well. And, uh, you know, Melbourne, by way of example... Uh, is producing 40% less stock than Sydney is producing at the moment. And the two cities are roughly the same uh, amount of people uh, and am- amount of businesses and amount of jobs. So, so Sydney's producing 14,000, Melbourne's producing 10,000. Both cities need over 30,000 to keep up with their population growth. Uh, the Brisbane apartment delivery is going to be about 6,500. It should be about 16,500. And again, you hear the numbers, you think, oh, well, that's a lot of apartments, 6,500. Well, if you, again, once again, do the maths uh, and only 10% of the product actually suits landlords because it's sub $750,000, that's 650 apartments uh, by way of example, let's say there's 50 apartments in a building. Well, that's 12 apartment buildings being produced to serve landlords in the Brisbane market per annum over uh, the next five years. If there was 100 apartments in the building and you've got 650 apartments being produced, it's six buildings, right? So not a huge amount of product. And of course, if you went back to a period of, for example, Brisbane's hyper supply, which was sort of 2014, you know, you had uh, over 150 buildings all being produced at once. Um, you know, you would be talking now just a very, very small amount of product coming through the system. And of course, the tenant market tends to like the new shiny toy that gets created in real estate. So you tend to get a rental premium on uh, the new products coming through the funnel. Um, So uh, it's, it's interesting knowing that that stock is really going to be in a very limited level of availability for the marketplace. So good times ahead for the rental market, particularly uh, in the apartment space. Equally, there's going to be a lot of support for rental growth in the uh, uh, housing market and townhousing market. But uh, today's report is very much linked to the uh, supply levels of apartments which have simply fallen off a cliff. And, uh, you know, it's very hard to see how Australia's going to 
use high density apartments as a tool to a home a larger population in the future. It's very difficult to see you take the most expensive land in our cities, which is typically where the good apartments go, and you take the most expensive product type to deliver to market in the relationship to what it costs to deliver a an apartment. It's completely different to delivering a new home or a new townhome the cost is a lot more because you've got a more complex building to design. You've got to design, um, you know, different floors. You've got to design different aspects. You've got to design the roof. You've got to design the uh, foyer. Um, very different to, to obviously just a single resident house. And so one could argue, even from a scarcity point of view, we are seeing the elimination of apartments from the ability for an investor to even own an apartment. And uh, I'm on record saying I think apartments will be a luxury item into the future. I don't think the average investor will be able to buy a well-designed, nice produced apartment in a gun location in a couple of years time will they be able to buy an old secondhand you know apartment in a less attractive building perhaps a building which has had a bit of an unloved strata scheme associated with it yes they will of course and uh, you know there might be some great renovation opportunities in that space into the future but Certainly, uh, when it comes to the eradication of the apartment market for investors, it's well underway. Uh, I think it's eradicated in Brisbane myself. I don't see where you can buy a good, affordable apartment coming from the new supply chain. Um, it's been very unaffordable in inner Sydney for a very long time. Um, Sydney's apartment square meter rates can clock over $100,000 for one metre of apartment. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you just go down to The Rock, Sydney or Circular Quay and you want to see how bananas the cost for an apartment can be, it is a real uh, global luxury item in those areas, over $100,000 a metre. And so... Uh, What's so interesting is because of scarcity, scarcity drives value, uh, we are going to see, I think, rental growth in the apartment space. And at some point, no one has the crystal ball, but there's got to be, has to be, huge amount of dwelling improvement in the value of apartments. Uh, right now, the gap between houses and apartments is very, very wide, wider than what it's usually uh, recorded at over its long-term average. And at some point, the apartment price will grow and the compression between apartments and houses will be a real thing. And so uh, if these rents continue to climb, there's going to be a lot of interest in owning one of these little cash cows. And uh, 
getting a asset which ultimately ends up fast tracking itself to positive cash flow. These type of assets have done that for me. I've put myself in a position where I've bought these type of assets with the right profile, right place, right people. And uh, the product itself in a 15-year period has gone from basically negative cash flow to today paying me an income to own. And it's going to continue to grow. I, I'm, I, I think this is the gift that keeps on giving. You're just going back and asking for another $100 a week and all, all of a sudden another $5,000 is added to your retirement income number. And so for a lot of people, accelerating right now is their income and annual income from real estate. It really is truly an amazing time to be a property investor and watch your assets actually perform really, really well. What we do know is eventually interest rates will start to drop and the paradox with interest rates is that when interest rates go up, there's a general correlation that the yield follows the cash rate movement. And we have seen a correlation in that in real estate whereby the cash rate's gone up, mortgages and the cost to own mortgages has gone up and to offset that, rents have gone up. The paradox, of course, is if the cash rate drops, no one's putting their rent down. And uh, this is going to be really the cycle process that eventually the cost of money will be a lot less, but no one, no rental landlord is going to go, wow, the cash rate has dropped one and a half percent. I think I should put my rent down a hundred dollars uh, to accommodate that space. No one is going to do that. It's not going to happen. The only driver of rental values going backwards is typically a higher vacancy rate of hyper supply. And we are so far from hyper supply that, uh, that we, we certainly for the short next four years, we will see rents increase quite handsomely. And uh, really, some of those close proximity CBD inner areas are going to do very well. Those, uh, you know, more affluent apartment suburbs are going to do very well. Those inner urban edgy gentrification suburbs are going to do very, very well. And of course, anything to do with lifestyle, beaches, you know, the beautiful bays of Melbourne, um, you know, the coastline kind of places, they tend to do very, very well when it comes to where people want to live if they want to live in an apartment. Remember, good apartment living is about the lifestyle of living in the apartment. You don't cook in your kitchen. You go downstairs and eat in a beautiful restaurant. Uh, you don't need a backyard because you're, you know, running down to the beach in the morning and doing a walk down there. So the, the idea of it is the best lifestyle assets – are going to get huge rental growth. But in general, 
rents are going to climb on the apartment product and uh, the right apartment product is going to do very, very well. Uh, it's going to go up by $120 per week over the next uh, four years. And uh, CBRE has suggested that's going to happen across over 53 precincts in Australian capital cities. So uh, plenty of local government areas with high-quality apartments going to get a $120 per week increase over the next four years. So that's, what's that? That's 30 bucks a year um, growth. And uh, I know some some places which will do better than that. And uh, yeah, I think that's just absolutely awesome when it comes to what next for the uh, property marketplace. What I will say is obviously the compounding effect of that rental growth is we are probably one third into that cycle of growth already. There's sort of two thirds to go. So take that information, use it wisely. Uh, it's time to to jump aboard and uh, certainly unlock your future cash flow with the the right rental property. All right, folks, that's it from me. Thanks for tuning in and uh, I'll catch you on the next episode where we talk more real estate. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.